I'm excited about the word for tonight. Um, it may not be the easiest word to receive. Uh, it was a challenging word for me to receive. But this is a word that I believe your neighbors, your cousins, your friends, um, they all want you to hear it. They want you to hear it. They want you to apply it. Even if they have never met Jesus, if they don't know anything about Jesus, they still want you to hear this word. They still want you to apply this word. Um, if, if that's you, if you say, you know what, I don't know Jesus, I'm not a follower of Jesus, um, it is my hope and it is my goal that you see tonight what it is that's supposed to mark a follower of Jesus. In fact, it's my goal for all of us that by the time that we're done, we recognize what's supposed to mark us and it becomes the mark that defines each of us as we follow Jesus. Um, but before I start, I have to say this. I have to say, I'm not here to point fingers. I'm not here to blame. I'm not here to say, here's where everybody else did it wrong. This is an area that God challenged me just two weeks ago. I felt like God called me out. When I say that God called me out, I don't mean there was a booming voice from heaven going, Daniel, you're messing up! I don't mean... God didn't like drop a brick on me to judge me for my sins. Um, but uh, as Pastor Dwayne would say it, God's word just gave me a slap in the face. I was reading in Matthew chapter 26, uh, a story, verse 6 to 13, shares that Jesus goes into a house and he sits down and he's having dinner. And while he's having dinner, this lady comes in. And this lady comes in with this expensive jar of perfume. And she walks up to Jesus and she breaks it and she pours it over Jesus. And his disciples look and they're like, this, this, that was spikenard. This was this expensive perfume. And they, they go, what are you doing? You could have sold this for so much money and given it to the poor. In fact, in Mark's gospel, it says it could have been sold for 300 denarii. Now, I don't receive denarii very often, but, okay, often, never, but, uh, one denarii was equal to a day's wage. So this was 300 days wages. If you don't work, if you work five days a week, that's over a year's wage. If you're working six days a week, as they were, it was almost a year's wage that she just poured on Jesus. And his disciples, they're, they're rebuking her and they're like, why did you do this? I mean, there's so many poor people. We could have given this money to the poor. And, and Jesus looks at them and Jesus doesn't join them. Jesus doesn't rebuke her. In fact, Jesus went further and he rebuked his disciples. He says, what are you doing? Why are you giving her a hard time? As the gospel, as the good news goes forth, everywhere that it goes, this will be told in remembrance of her. She's doing this um, in honoring my body, preparing it for burial. And, and Jesus saw things differently than they did. But I looked at these disciples who were so quick to judge, who were so quick to, to fault find and to point fingers at other people. And I realized that I'm guilty too, that I have a tendency to do that. With all that's been going on, it has been so easy to find faults. I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what side of things that you're on. It has been, there is plenty of them that you can be angry at. No matter what it is that you think, no matter what it is that you believe, it has been so easy to nitpick and to fault find and as God challenged me on this, it just kind of struck me that it is so easy to, 
to judge others, to take a self-righteous position like his disciples and go, well, you could have sold this and given it to the poor. You could have done this and it would have helped these people. Or you could have or should have done this and that. And you could have handled it this way. And um, But I looked and Jesus, that, that he said that they were wrong. In fact, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So often we're, we're speaking things out so quickly and so rashly, but we don't realize how much devastation our words are having. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. And it contrasts those and says that your words should be bringing life. Are your words bringing life? Or are our words tearing people up and, and cutting them apart? And it's, it's such a powerful um, thing to know and to recognize. As I was kind of going on and I, I was pondering what, what I'd seen in the Word, I came across a Facebook post by, by Bob Vanderpool. He shared with us a couple weeks ago on a Sunday night. Um, and as I, was, as I was looking at it, I looked and, and, and he posted how quickly people are criticizing leadership. And he sat with a bunch of people that were making hard decisions and were, <clears throat> were going through great sacrifice right now, trying to help people and protect people. And I looked, I thought, you know what? I've, I've been careful enough not to post them, but I've shared them. I've shared some of my, my thoughts. I've shared them rashly. And I've shared them too quickly. And, and that began to challenge me because the mark of a Christian um, Jesus actually shares it in Matthew or Matthew John 13 verses 34 and 35. He shares with us what's supposed to mark a disciple. He says that a disciple, he says in verse 34, he says, um, this command he gives us to love one another just as I have loved you. Um, all you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He doesn't say the mark of a disciple is that they're always right. He doesn't say they always win every argument. And that's how people know that they're my disciples. He doesn't say they'll know that you're my disciples by how you tell everybody that they're wrong. He doesn't say it's by their judgment that you'll recognize them. He goes, no, it's by their love. And I looked at that and it, and it, it challenges me because it's so easy to post my judgment. It's so easy to post all of my frustration and to throw others under the bus. But he goes, no, the, the thing that's supposed to mark a disciple is God's love and grace and it overflowing in how we lovingly treat others, not how we condemn them and justify ourselves or our opinion, not how we elevate our opinion above theirs by insulting everyone's intelligence who disagrees with us. And I looked and I said, I have been, I've been guilty of this. Um, and it's, it's so easy to do. Um, the problem is it's gotten so much easier. See, when having an opinion isn't something new, having a difference of opinion has been around ever since there was two people. But um, doing it globally has expedited like crazy. We look and we see that as people have... Um, everybody's on social media right now. People who've been avoiding it for years are on it just trying to connect. I have been getting friend requests from all corners of the globe as we're doing more on Facebook and so many people are on it and you, so many people see what you're posting, but you don't always see the people who are seeing it. 
See, when we're face to face, I'm reminded that you're seeing things differently than me. That just because something, just because I can say it doesn't make it a good idea. I remember years ago watching somebody stick their foot in their mouth on a grand level. Um, Years ago, your mama jokes were a big thing that a lot of the youth were were saying. And um, there was somebody in our office who got into your mama jokes. And somebody, I don't know what what happened in the office, but they just quick kind of um, turned to somebody else over there and they're like, your mama this. And the fellow that they, they said it to just turned back at them and looked. And I don't remember if he said my mom just died or if the speaker just remembered when they, he got that glare that this person he said that to had just lost his mom. And when he did, you watched the speaker just turn white as a ghost and recognizing his wrong. The problem is that when we post some of these things online, we don't see somebody turn white as a ghost. We don't see them in tears. We don't see them torn up. And it's so easy to make our declaration and to forget that not everybody sees this the same. I saw a post on someone's wall um, yesterday that uh, they posted that we're, we're not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm, but we're not all in the same boat. There are people that are dealing with this People are dealing with with this quarantine. People are dealing with COVID-19 around the world. But they're they're dealing with it, but they're in a different boat. Um, Let me, this isn't just a COVID-19 quarantine type issue. This is an issue all the time with everything and how we handle and how we disagree, how we share our opinions, because we're supposed to be marked by God's love and by God's presence. But oftentimes it's easier to be marked by our opinion and by our pride, and by tearing other people apart. Um, but let me let me give an example of, of it. as we just look at our, our present situation in our quarantine, people are, are passionate. People have a lot of opinion, and people are ready to share that opinion. But it's amazing how different they view it, and how easily they throw everybody under the bus who thinks differently than them. I saw a post um, the other day by a father um, who who was so passionate about this situation, um, and understandably so. He has a child who's immunocompromised, and it's, so he's he's posting this, and he is he is very visibly upset at so many people who are taking things lightly and who are who are posting things um, because to him this is a serious ordeal, and he is in this fighting for the life of his child, and. And work for him is, is important, but he recognizes that his child is so much more important than his income. And so this is this huge thing as he's, he's posting this and he looks at everybody and, and in his, it's very easy for him to go, everybody who's fighting against this is heartless. And everyone who's fighting against this is putting their financial needs above the, the need of my child's life. And you have this over here. But I also was in the room when my wife received a phone call from a friend who lost somebody to suicide. They had lost all hope in this time. They had um, they'd struggled before with depression and anxiety and 
right now is everything had kind of been taken away, all these different things that they were looking forward to. Um, they lost sight of the future and they gave up and they, their family lost them for real. And, and they're, they're looking at this from a very different angle. And they're, they're fighting for this because this is a matter of life and death for so many people. But some of them are, are fighting trying to protect somebody who's immunocompromised. Some are fighting for somebody who's been battling with depression and anxiety. I heard a stat that, um, I think it was Indiana, whose suicide prevention hotline um, normally averaged 1,000 calls per day. Since being in quarantine, it had up to 25,000 calls a day. Now, I don't can't believe every um, report that I hear and every article, obviously, um, but... There's a lot of people that are struggling with anxiety and depression right now, and it is a big deal. There are others that are, that are sitting here, and this boat looks like, I just want to feed my family. I don't know if this goes on any longer, how I'm going to put food on the table. And you've got people that are, that are battling this, and some of them that are viewing it from fighting for their child's life from sickness. Some of them are fighting from their child's life from um from suicide, from loss of, of hope, and others that are fighting to put food on the table for their family and the idea that they could have a roof or food for their family and that their, their family can be sustained. Others are, are enjoying some, some rest and getting some projects done. Others, are, are marriages are being healed as they're actually getting to spend some time together. Others' marriages are being torn to shreds as... Um, as they're stuck with somebody who's abusive and they're fearful for, for their safety or for their, even for their life. <clears throat> there is so many different boats that people are in inside of this same storm. And if we just post something going, oh, everybody's just thinking about this one thing and we go, well, they're just not thinking about the one thing that I'm thinking about. And we post quickly and we say things, we don't realize how devastating that can be and how rude that can come across to somebody who's fighting for a family member's life. And we got to remember that we represent Jesus in this. Because if, if we're careless in how we say things, whether we're in the grocery store or whether we're online or wherever it is that we're, we're able to be, um, we represent Jesus poor and we may drive people away from him. They'll remember us not by our love, but by the inappropriate words that they use to describe us after we get done speaking. And we want to make sure that we're marked by God's love and God's presence, not by our pride or our opinion. See, being right, my view on on this, on whatever the controversial topic of the day is, my view, honestly, is not going to send you to heaven or hell. But how I handle my view may send somebody to heaven. Or hell. If I drive them away from God because I push my opinion rudely and arrogantly or just recklessly, how sad would that be? See, we don't, we often don't think about it, but 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Few months ago, before our our present issues, um, my wife was on on Facebook, and there was a different controversial issue, and she engaged in a conversation 
with somebody who we love and respect who thinks very differently than us on a lot of issues. And they were, they were engaged in this conversation. And as, as they did, um, people begin to, to post and people begin to private message them going, I've not seen people disagree this respectfully before. You guys are kind and respectful and loving and you have a difference of opinion. And it blew them away. And it was crazy to see that there was a platform where people were being drawn towards Jesus, not because of view A or view B, but because they were able to disagree without throwing each other under the bus, with actually speaking with respect and acknowledging the other person and acknowledging their view and validating them as a human instead of insulting their intelligence because they had a difference of opinion. And it's, it's such a powerful thing that we're supposed to be marked by God's presence and that every time we encounter somebody, we have an opportunity to represent Jesus. He says that he is making um, his appeal through us, that God is calling out to his lost children through us and how we represent him, but how we disagree, but how we post things, but how we say things may draw them to Jesus or may push them away from Jesus. See, we're supposed to be marked by God's love. And, and when we're marked by love, we can disagree, but we'll disagree differently. First uh, Peter 4.8 says, Above all, keep loving one another um, earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I remember years ago, um, I drove, okay, let's be real. Um, when I was in high school, I drove like an idiot. I drove To say I drove aggressively was an understatement. Um, I, like, I almost lost my license for driving like an idiot. And um, it wasn't until I was in college that it occurred to me that the speed limit was a law and not a suggestion. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I, I thought wrong in my driving, but I was, I was crazy aggressive. And then afterwards... I slowed down and I became um, a legal driver, driving um, driving well, but a, more on the aggressive side. I have a friend who was my opposite. Um, love my friend, great friend, but he drives um, incredibly cautiously, conservatively, and um, to a frustrating level sometimes. Um, but it was crazy. I was in the in the car with him one time, we were going through some really bad traffic and we're watching different people handle situations and we're in a car, so we have to handle the situation. And I recognized that he is the driver that would drive me crazy, who would handle situations and it would just frustrate me. And I watched him see some of the other drivers and recognized that I am the driver that would drive him crazy, that, that vexed him but watched as we treated each other differently because there is a level of love and respect for each other. And it wasn't just my friend and I. This is, this is true across the board. And it, it's often seen when driving. Um, my, uh, my mom shared a story with me a while back. She was driving and, and she made a mistake. Uh, she pulled out in front of somebody or cut them off somehow. She just didn't see them. And, and she felt bad, but you can't undo it. And this car that she'd cut off comes zipping around her and, and they very um, 
expressively were sharing that she was number one. And then they looked and they turned and they recognized her. And they're like, it's Pastor Jeannie. And you watch, she's like, she said, my mom said she saw them go, ah! <laughs> and I try to hide their face and cover it up because they recognize her. And all of a sudden, they realized that that was not the way that they wanted to communicate. As soon as they realized that's someone that I love and respect, they're like, that's not how I want to handle the situation. It's not that being who she was justified her making a mistake, didn't make her mistake not a mistake anymore. But when we handle it with love, we handle it differently. And this is... Um, this is true on social media. This is true as we meet people in the grocery store. This is true in our families. There are families that are being healed and being um, restored right now as they're hanging together, but there's other families that are being um, torn apart. As and It's true now, but it's, it's true apart from quarantine, where when we put being right above the other person, it rips apart relationships. And I've watched people get into arguments over things that are stupid, over things that don't matter. They, they argue over things like when they're telling a story, was it a week ago or two weeks ago? Was it five years or 10 years? Was it 60 degrees or 70 degrees during this story? You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. These are little details, but they get so obsessed with being right that they put being right above the other person. And if Jesus called us to be marked by love and not marked by rightness, we need to remember to put people, to love people above being right and to love them well and to disagree with love and respect because the tongue of the wise brings healing. And we want our words to bring healing. I had a conversation a couple weeks ago with somebody who who shared a truth very, very offensively. And to them, it was so hard for them to understand. They were like, what do you, what do you mean this is offensive? And what do you, what do you mean? But they're like, but I'm, but I'm right. But it's true. Being true, being right, doesn't mean you can say it however you want. The disciples were right. Being... What the perfume that that lady broke over Jesus was expensive. That money could have been, it could have been sold for a lot of money and that money could have fed a lot of poor people. But Jesus still rebuked them. As I was having this conversation with her, she's like, I, I, I don't understand. I said, there are people, actually I used the, the analogy with her. I said, um, just because somebody might need to lose some weight doesn't make it okay to just walk up to them and tell them they're fat. That's going to be rude and offensive, and they're not probably going to receive from you. If they need to lose some weight, it may need to come from somebody who loves them, who kindly says that they love them and they want to have a future with them in it. And they may need to, to lovingly help them and navigate it. But if you just walk up and harshly, rudely um, point things out, you're not helping them. You're just hurting and offending people. And... Um, it's so important that we deal with things with love and that we look to cover an offense rather than to promote it. Um, in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says, As much as is possible, 
as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Not to be one who stirs up contention, not to be one who who just fans arguments into flame. Proverbs 6, 19 um, is part of a list where God is sharing, uh, the Bible shares what God hates. On that list is one who sows discord among brethren. He goes, don't stir up strife. Don't stir up contention. We want to be united. We want to encourage. We want to strengthen. That doesn't mean that you can never disagree with somebody, but it means that your love for Jesus should be elevated beyond your love of your opinion and that your love for others should be greater than your love of being right. And when we do that, when we put God first, it changes things because we represent him everywhere that we go. Here in just a minute, I want to I make a confession of who God called us to be. And when we do, it's a powerful, powerful thing. But before I do, I know that there are people that are with us right now who don't know my Jesus. They may know a lot about my Jesus, but they have never made him the Lord of their life. It might be because they met Christians who weren't marked by love. They met Christians who were marked by pride, who were marked by tearing other people down. Um, And if if that's you, I want to start by saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you met people who didn't represent Jesus well. I'm sorry that their, their mark was not that of one who loved others, but was marked by selfishness or pride, by rude and harsh comments. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants a relationship with you. When he came, Jesus, the perfect Savior, had every right to judge us. But the Bible says that he didn't come to judge, but to save. It says that God, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He came because he wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be forgiven, and he wants a relationship. And if you would like to respond to his invitation, the Bible says that he stands at the door of your heart knocking. The Bible tells us that whoever calls in his name will be saved. I want to call in his name, and I want to invite you to join me. So go ahead and repeat after me. Say, God, if this is you, if you say, I want, to, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, say, God, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. I believe that you died and rose again. I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. Thank you for forgiving me. God, for, for washing me clean. I believe that you rose again, and I choose to follow you with all of my heart and with all of my life. I declare that you are my Lord from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So excited for those of you guys who just made that decision. If you made that decision, we want to hear from you. You can click the banner. If you're watching on our website, you can click there to raise your hand, or you can text in, text ES to 226-3922. Once again, that's 226-3922. And just text Yes. We want to hear from you. We want to be praying for you for the next 30 days. We've got um, a book that Pastor Duane wrote that we would love to get to you. But um, before we all go, I want to make a confession. Whether you just made Jesus your Lord or whether you've been following Jesus for years, I want to make a confession based on God's word. Because when we confess his word, it's powerful. When we speak, it goes into our heart. When we speak, it begins to, it's, it's, it's so powerful. So I want you to say this with me. Um, 
This is, this is based on God's word. I'll post this with the verses here later. It says, I am marked by the love of God. I love because God first loved me. I love others because God first loved me. I seek to love people and not to stir up offense. My words bring life and healing. As much as it depends on me, I live peaceably with all men. I'm an ambassador for Christ. God is making his appeal through me. I am, I am full of the love of God. Therefore, I am patient and kind. I am not rude or arrogant, not irritable or resentful. I bring my needs before God, and he brings me peace. I don't have to live in worry because God knows and meets my needs. God is my refuge and my strength, my very present help in times of trouble. No evil shall befall me, nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. For God shall give his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. I don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me.